I'm so glad y'all chose to worship with us this morning. We are honored that you're here. If you're a first or second time guest, we just want to tell you, man, we are pumped that you decided to come to Four Points on Easter, and we consider it joy that you decided to come here. So um, I want to tell you a little bit about my message today. Um, it's, it's going to be a little bit different than an Easter message you've probably ever heard. Uh, if you go to church on Easter and you have in the past, you've heard the story of the cross. And so I'm going to obviously bring it in, but it's a little bit different. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to not focus on the people around you. Because this is what we do. We go, dude, I'm glad he's preaching that today because so-and-so is here and they need to hear this message. No, this isn't for so-and-so. This is for all of us, okay? Uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, I was preparing for my message for today, and I'm going to preach it next week because I was all done and I was excited about it, and God just like put it all over me to preach this message, and like I couldn't sleep, and I was miserable, and I said, all right, God, you win. I'll do this message, and so I know I'm supposed to do this message today, and I'm just going to tell y'all this is going to sound brash and bold. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. There are going to be some lives that are radically changed in the next few minutes. I really just believe that, that there are going to be some lives that you're not going to be the same in a few minutes that you are right now because I believe God's about to do something really crazy. And I have felt this way for about 10 days. I haven't eaten well. I haven't been sleeping well. It's been after 2 a.m. And I, I believe it's all because of this. It feels like a burden that I'm about to give y'all. And I'm so excited about it because it is a great burden. It's not something bad. It's something amazing. But it's a plea. And so the whole message, the whole title, the whole thing that we're going over today it is surrender. And that's what I want y'all to think about. That's the song we just sang. We raise our white flag. We surrender all to Jesus. We give him everything. And here's the problem. We live in the South, right? So, so what we're taught is if you say a prayer, you're, you're great. You can live like hell the rest of your life. You can do whatever you want. You can, it doesn't matter. There's really no need for total, total surrender to Jesus. That doesn't matter. And, and I'm telling y'all this morning, that is 100% from the devil. That is a lie from the pit. If you were six years old and you went to vacation Bible school and you said a prayer and you've never done anything for Jesus since, this message is for you. And if you've never heard the gospel, this message is for you. And if you go to church every time the doors are open, this message is for you. Because every person is in need of stepping back closer to Jesus this morning. And so I want to give y'all the picture. Will you come up? I'm going to give y'all the, the picture. We got poker chips in the way. But I'm going to try to give y'all uh, the picture. Just stand right there, Mickey. This is, this is the picture of, of surrender. Like when we hear surrender, we think, stick them up, right? I'm going to surrender. But, but in the Hebrew word for surrender, in, in what this means in the Bible, uh, it, it literally means to get on your face. You have nice shoes and skinny jeans. I haven't really noticed that before. It's nice. <laughs> surrender really looks like this. Thank you. He's supposed to be Jesus, but I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't wear skinny jeans, so we'll just, he can just be, be Mickey, but he did, that's, that's awkward. We'll write a book, Jesus wore skinny jeans. Um, that is the picture of surrender. And listen, for a bunch of people in here, you said a prayer one time, but Jesus doesn't have control of your heart. And so that picture right there is, is nothing like what we did with Jesus. We gave Jesus a little piece of our heart. We said, here you go, bud. You're welcome. Congratulations. And we didn't totally collapse at his feet and say, Jesus, you're all I need. So do you remember uh, in the song that, that we sang to open the thing, the pictures? That's the passion of the Christ, the pictures that that looked like of what Jesus went through. 
There were stripes all over his body. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes I was healed. By his wounds, by the bruises that were put all over him. And every one of those stripes were for us and for our sins. And yet what we do to him is we say, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm going to do my own thing. And today I'm going to go back to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because I want you all to understand something. Were it not for Jesus' resurrection, we would have no hope. If he'd have just died and he was still in the ground, we'd be like everybody else and we would not have something to worship today. But the reason we're excited and pumped up, the reason we've been tweeting stuff, y'all probably think our Facebooks are crazy because he is alive. He is not dead. And we are pumped up about that. And, and listen, God wants your heart. God wants your heart and that's the whole purpose of this message today. He died because he loves you so much. And I just want y'all to know people do crazy stuff when they're in love. Crazy stuff when they're in love. And that's the gist of the message today is when you're in love, people are going to know it. And so I just want y'all to answer this question by the end of the service. Are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? Can we pray? God, I'm pumped up. I've got four chairs on the stage. I'm doing a message totally different, but I believe with every ounce of my being, this is what you told me to do. And so I just, I just pray right now that you'll just move me, that people don't see Mark, they see Jesus. And that these words penetrate the hearts of people where once they see you, they'll never be the same. And we change forever and ever, always. We love you, Jesus. And I pray for a radical, radical, crazy thing to happen today and many people to get saved. We love you. Amen. So I've got four chairs up here. And they represent, they represent every single one of us in this room. All right. The good news is you're in one of these four chairs. The bad news is you may not be in the chair you're supposed to be in, and so that's where we're going to get, okay? So the four chairs represent four different things, okay? I'm just going to briefly go through them, and then, and then I'll give you the points. This is the chair that every person we want to get to eventually. This is the chair you're totally sold out to Jesus, and that's where we want to get. As a matter of fact, in your notes, if you have your notes with you, I'll go ahead and give you this one. Take your notes out if you're taking a, you got your pen. Chair number one, you're radically in love with Jesus. All in. You see the banner? Doesn't this look good, by the way? Didn't our people do a good job with this? And the cards and all. Next week, we're going to talk about, and I'm going to teach you how to play Texas Hold'em. So if you've ever wanted a pastor to teach you how to play Texas Hold'em, I'm going to do that next week. So you don't want to miss it. But you can't, you've you got to push them in, right? I mean, there's not a hesitation. You go all in when you go all in. Well, this is what this person is. And when you're sitting in this chair, you're the person that we're trying to get to today. You are radically, radically in love with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you all something. When people are in love, they do crazy stuff. They do, people do crazy, crazy stuff when they're in love. For example, I'm not big on chick flicks. I, I don't, raise your hand if you're a dude and you like chick flicks. If any of y'all raise your hand, this will be incredible. Thank you. Anyone else? Patrick, power to you. I, I used you last week as an example, so we're evening out. It was a good example. Uh, I never have liked chick flicks. I, we would like fight. Leah and I, when we were on dates, we like, okay, look, <laughs> for real, you want to go see the vow? Because it's like someone dies or someone almost dies and it's sad and people cry and you cry and then I might have to act like I'm not crying and I'm not going to see a chick flick because that's ridiculous. When people can get killed with a sword and that's awesome, right? A man should say amen right now when we can watch movies where people die by the sword. That's awesome. Like 300. Oh, that's better than chick flicks, right? And like, here's what's weird, okay? So we started trading off on date nights, and I was like, okay, here, 
I'll go to one and you go to mine. And like, that was a long time ago. And now I like chick flicks. Is that weird? Like, I, I really do. I enjoy going with Leah to chick flicks because people do crazy stuff when they're in love. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. I like going to chick flicks with my wife because I'm in love with Leah. Because she's hot and she's awesome. And I love her. And I do crazy stuff just because I'm in love with Leah. And I'm not at all embarrassed to that. Maybe the chick flick thing a little bit. But I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm pumped that I'm in love with my wife. I, I embarrass her all the time, by the way. I say stuff that's a little bit inappropriate, but just because she's awesome. And I want to hook up with her because I still want to date with her because she's my wife. And I want to do crazy stuff with Leah because I'm in love with her. And no one thinks that way with Jesus, do they? I believe 95% of people in the church, and I'm not talking strictly this church, I'm talking in the church in general, do not sit in this chair. Why? Because we're not in love with Jesus. He's just part of our lives. He's just what we do, but he's not everything to us. When I get up in the morning, I'm not in love with Jesus so much that I want people to see crazy. Like, I want to be so radical on fire for Jesus that I want to tell people about him. Did you know, according to Barna, who is... I believe the most accurate statistician, Christian statistician, he says only 5% of Christians ever, ever share their faith in Jesus Christ with someone else. Well, here's the thing. This is why today has me overwhelmed with, let's go. Listen, if we Christians, this is for you guys, if you're not saved, you get a free pass not to listen right now. If you're a Christian right now and you've never shared your faith, do you understand what happens to the rest of the people in this world when they die? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that is judgment in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Everyone will face judgment. And if I know people in my neighborhood, my neighbors, my friends, my family, and all I do is say, God bless you, God bless you, but I never share the good news of Jesus with them. I'm not crazy in love with Jesus. I don't really have a crazy surrendered heart to Jesus. And that's the problem is so many of us. We come to church on Sundays. We look the part. It's awesome. Praise God. We go home and we just live like we want to live. Jesus is just a tiny, tiny part of our lives. This is what Matthew chapter 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is when it gets crazy, and this is when I move to the first chair. When I realize that Jesus Christ, like in that video, and if you've seen The Passion, I think they did a really good job of that video, but I want y'all to know something for real. It is not gory enough for what it really was. If you study the sufferings of what Jesus actually went through, I believe they should have made it much more gory. Much worse. And it was so gruesome, I don't know that Hollywood could have made it much worse. Because Jesus went through so much for us. And this is what we do. Man, that's rough. I hate to see that. I don't even want to see that. And we sweep it under the rug and we don't even care. And Christians and non-Christians alike, listen to me. Every one of us spit on the first chair so often because what we say is, God can have a part of my life. I'm going to be honest with you. He did not send his son down to die the worst death ever, ever known to man so that he could have part of you. He wants every single bit of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want this much or this much. He wants every bit. He wants your complete and total surrender where you lay on the floor and you grab his feet and you say, I am not worthy. I don't understand why you would forgive me, but I'm amazed that you would. And this is where everyone I want to pay attention to this. If you consider yourself a good person because you do nice things for people, 
you need this as bad as anyone else. If you consider yourself just jacked up, you're strung out on drugs, you are just messed up. Guess what? You need Jesus just as much as we do. There is no one in here that is farther from God than anyone else that hasn't trusted Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus and given him everything, you are equally far from Jesus. Murderers and gossipers are equally far from Jesus. And so, listen, this is the goal. The goal is for every single person in here to sit here by the end of the service. Because that's where Jesus wants us. And I'm telling y'all, this is the truth. If there's ever a church where everyone sits in the first chair, we will have to build such a big church, we won't know what to do. Because people will start tithing. It'll get crazy. Like, people will actually give to Jesus. It'll be amazing. And people will witness to their friends, and then a bunch of people will start getting saved, and it's not just the, the preacher's job. It's everybody's. And there will be a radical change in this community like no one's ever seen before, and it's not about a preacher. It's about Jesus. And so that's the goal. Our goal is for everybody to get here. Now, here's, here's the second chair. It's, it's not a fun chair, but it's where most of us sit, and I'm, I'm guilty, okay? So let me just start here. I'm not the preacher. Y'all, excuse me. I'm not the preacher that says, y'all stink. I usually say suck, so I'll just say it. Y'all suck, and I'm good. <laughs> That's not it at all. The frustrating part about being me is I know the right thing to do, and a lot of times I just slip my cheek over to the other chair and say, I'm good, Jesus. I'm going to take control for a couple days. This chair reeks of selfishness, reeks of me. And it is the embodiment of the American church today are the second and third chairs. They show us what we are through and through. Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, is a letter that Jesus actually said through John on the island of Patmos, and this is what he's telling the church of Ephesus. It's a church just like ours, and this is what he's saying. This is a lot of you guys and me in here a lot of times. He said, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. You are working your tails off. Listen. You're volunteering. You're awesome. You love the Lord. But here's the problem. You're going through the motions. You're doing all these things, but here's the problem. I hold this against you that you have abandoned your first love. You've forgotten the time that you prayed to receive Jesus Christ and meant it with all your heart. And you slid over and you sat down in this chair. And this chair is selfishness. This chair is pride. And listen, I believe pride sends more people to hell than anything else because it's all about me. That is the embodiment of Satan, and that's what I become. And because we're proud, when someone cuts us off when we're driving down the road, we care a whole lot more about that than we do someone's eternity. We could care less where someone's going. We care about this. This makes me mad. I can't believe you did that to me. And the person that sits in the second chair, which is me a lot of times, always, always, always uses I. Like when you come to church and it's too cold, you get really mad, right? This is going to step on some toes, but hopefully y'all will laugh because I think it's funny. And if y'all like cats, you'll just have to get over it. So, because I think cats are weird. So anyway, the, the person that sits in this chair is a cat person, right? Because so, this is what a dog does, okay? If y'all don't like dogs, you need to get over it and start liking dogs because they're awesome. So dogs, if you, if you, if you feed a dog... 
and you scratch them behind the ears, right? They get happy, and then you just pet them a little bit. They think you're God. They think you're master. They're your, you're their best friend forever. There's some crazy dogs that bite you. Y'all should just put them to sleep and get another dog because they shouldn't be like that, right? Labs and dogs like that, they're awesome. This is what cats do, okay? This is why one of the reasons I'm not a real big fan of cats. You feed a cat, you scratch them, you pet them. They want to eat you. They are freaking crazy and they think they're God and you should always feed them. Serve me. I'm awesome. I'm a cat, right? That's what the church is. That's what we do. And listen, if y'all haven't ever done this, y'all aren't as stupid and dumb as me. I, do, I used to think this all the time. He's dumb. I can do this better than him. What's he thinking? And it's all about me. And everything that I complain about while I'm at church is something that I'm not happy with because I, I, I. We could care less if lost people are getting saved. We could care less. Who cares? I'm not happy. You hurt my feelings. And it, we just sit in it. And this is what, I really believe this is the best description of how Jesus described us right here. A lot of y'all have heard this before. It's Revelation 3.15. Laodicea is a place that you can still visit today. Uh, at the hot springs, there's these hotels and they're really cool. And this is, what, this is what God's word says. I know your works, neither hot or cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I spit you out of my mouth. That word literally translates into puke. In Laodicea today, same streams, there's a stream that comes down from the mountain, it's cold. And there's a hot spring that bubbles up and it's hot and it's awesome. They, people hang out, they travel from all over the world to, to hang out in there and supposedly it's healing and I don't know. I hadn't been there, but it's supposed to be awesome. And in that time, people loved it because they had very, very good use out of this. They drank out of the cold spring and they bathed in the hot spring and they loved it. But when they came together, something crazy happened in the minerals and it smelled like puke. Literally, when you'd walk by it about a mile down the stream from where both of those things were, it smelled like throw up. Vomit literally was what people smelled. And this is what Jesus is saying is, guys, you know me personally. And you just care about you. And what I think about you is puke. It makes me sick. And that's been the story of my life, a lot of my Christianity. Because I care so much more about me than I do everybody else. My selfishness and my pride just eat me up. And everybody sees that and they think, man, it's all about Mark. That's awesome. How are we going to change the world with the gospel if that's us? I think Satan loves that chair. The other day I was uh, at my sister's birthday party. And um, Lainey, my four-year-old, uh, had eaten all her campai. And uh, we had a big cookie. Big cookies are going to be in heaven. They're awesome. So, um, so we had a big cookie. And uh, Lainey's eating the big cookie. And she's, she's about done. And she's, she's just sitting beside me. And if y'all know campai, we were on the very end. And she had, just, she had gotten done eating it. And she starts crying. She's real quiet sitting on the very end. I said, baby, what's wrong? She said, my belly hurts, daddy. I was like, your belly hurts? So I sit her down, her head's right here. She's facing the next table because we're on the end. And I said, honey, are you going to throw up? No, sir. For real, are you going to puke? Because if you're going to puke, I need to know. No, I'm fine. Leah says, I promise, at that moment, if she throws up, I'm done. Because we had had a hard night. And then the exorcist happened all over me from here 
to here. I'm not joking. I had a covering of puke. Man, have y'all ever been puked on like that? Raise your hand. Some people have. Y'all are parents. Uh, like, it was, and I just froze. I didn't scream. I was just like, this is happening. This is real. And y'all know the puke smell. It's like, seriously, <laughs> this is, and I picked her up and I walked her like this to the bathroom. Like, I'm trying not to spill anything because none of it got on the floor. And I thought at that moment, that's what Jesus thinks of me when I don't live for him. Because I was grossed out. I was not excited that she puked on me. High five, good job, honey. And I thought to myself, that is seriously what I do to Jesus every day. I, I don't just spit on I look at the picture of him on the cross and I say, screw you, God, I got this. Chair number four. Chair number four. Sorry, chair number two, you've gotten used to Jesus. Chair number four, you're lost and you know you're lost. All right? These, for, the, for the people in this room, I want to tell you how pumped we are that you're here. We're honored that you're here. And this is what you guys say. I, listen, I know I'm, I'm not a Christian. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but why would I want to be like them? Right? Do you see how they act, Mark? All these freaking hypocrites, why would I want to be like them? So this is my plea to you, okay? The message of the gospel is real. And as we close, I'm going to go through it. Romans 5, 8, and everything that he did, I'm going to put the picture of Jesus up. But this is my plea to you, because there's a lot of people that sit in this chair that I've had conversations with, a lot of them. And this is what they say. Seriously, Mark, I don't want to be like them. I don't want you to be like them or me. I want you to be like Jesus. And I want you to skip the second chair and go here. But so this is the question that I'm asking you is if these people in the second chair, like me sometimes, are dumb, like, like we are, and, and we push you toward hell because we're so prideful and full of ourselves, why do you want to listen to them and go to hell when you can do the right thing and trust Jesus and skip all that and give up your old past and give up the junk and just put all your faith and trust in him? And so this is my plea to the fourth chair, is throw the fourth chair down Kick, kick the second chair away, skip over him, and just sit on the first chair. Because that's where everybody belongs. Everybody belongs in the first chair. And so I'm just asking you guys that know you're lost, that know you've never trusted Jesus, I'm asking that today be the day that you boldly stand up and say, I need Jesus. I need him. The third chair is where I'm going to sit for just a minute. Here's the chair that I am 100% convinced more people in America sit in than any other chair. More people. Billy Graham says he believes 70% of people that actively go to church, meaning at least two times a month, 70% have never really gotten saved. Why? Well, because they never really surrendered. They played games. Because it was never really something that they, that they laid at the feet of Jesus and they wept at his feet and said, Jesus, I need you more than I need oxygen or this water, or anything else. I need to be totally, totally redeemed. I need the blood of Jesus to save me because without the shedding of blood, there can be no, no forgiveness. That's what the Bible says. And if he hadn't come down and lived a perfect life and had nails driven through his hands and feet, I could have no hope. And so for the people that just have a sprinkled prayer when they were a kid and never lived for Jesus and fell away, I believe with all my heart, some of them really got saved, and I'm not your judge, but a lot of people a lot of people sit in this third chair, and this is what the third chair is. You think you're saved, and you've convinced yourself of that. 
But the truth of the matter is, you've never really gotten saved. And the second and third chair look an awful lot alike, don't they? We still come in, we sound like church people. We do the church talk, we even come to church, some of us. We go through the motions, man. People think that we're a Christian, but we have no peace whatsoever in our lives. None. When people see us, they see nothing different than the world. Nothing. And the sad reality is there's no conviction of sin. And the Holy Spirit conviction, and I'm not talking guilt. I want you all to make sure you understand this. Holy Spirit conviction. Holy Spirit conviction is so much different than guilt. And when I sit in this chair, I sin over and over, and God doesn't break my heart for what I do because I want you all to understand something. There are some jacked up people in this room right now. Jacked up. Like there's no perfect people allowed to come to this church. Thank God because your pastor's jacked up. But I'm going to tell you what happens to me is when I screw up, the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. Some people say, Mark, how do you know that you're saved? Because the conviction that I have when I screw up is overwhelming. And I beg God to forgive me, and he does. The person that sits in this chair, which I believe is the majority of the people in the church today, the majority of the people in, this, in the church today sit in this chair because they've convinced themselves. I believe the devil lies to people all the time. You're fine. Dude, live like you want to. You're good. Like, how could the devil not be more excited about this chair than even the fourth chair? Like, he's got you right where he wants you because you play the church game. But Matthew chapter 7 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Some people cast out demons in my name. They preach in my name. But we're on the broad road that leads to destruction, and many people find it. And I think the biggest mission field in our, in our country today is not going out there, but in here. Because if we were all saved, people would see such a difference. And this chair breaks my heart because you look like the second chair. But the reality of the matter is you're lost. And listen, here's what happens. If we've never surrendered and given Jesus everything, if we just played a game or we went through the motions, the reality of the matter is I will face Jesus face to face one day and I will look him in the face and he will say, Sir, why should you come into heaven? Ma'am, why should you come into heaven? And I'll have him this great answer. When I was six, dude, I went to vacation Bible school and I said a prayer. Well, did you trust me as Savior? Did you rest in me? Did you give me everything? Did you really, truly surrender your heart and life to me? Nah. But I thought that was good enough because the preacher told me if I just said a prayer, I was good. Listen, guys, this isn't about a prayer. This is about your heart. People do crazy things when they're in love, and people know when you've gotten saved because you're crazy for Jesus. And this is all about that. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. The word know here is so important. I want y'all to listen to this. I'm not being funny. If y'all laugh, it's fine, but I'm really not trying to be funny. The word in the original language in the Greek, to know, is the same word that, that Moses used in the Hebrew. Adam knew Eve, and they had Seth. Adam knew Eve, and they had Abel. Those are literally the same words to know. There's an intimacy there that cannot be explained unless you have Jesus. Listen, some days I screw up with Leah and we fight. If y'all don't fight, y'all aren't really married. It, some days I screw up, right? And we get so mad at each other. 
But guess what? I can't wait to make up with Leah because I love Leah so much. And I can't wait to go on vacation and hang out with my wife. And I know Leah in the way that Adam knew Eve. And we have an intimacy like I've never had with another human being on this earth. That God intended for me to have. And the picture of marriage is the picture that we have with Jesus. And here's the thing. Listen very carefully. Most people never have intimacy with Jesus because they never know him. The John 3.16 says, God so loved the word he gave his only son that whosoever believes, the word believes should mean know him. To know him intimately like I know my wife is the way that we have to know Jesus. And so many people never know him because we said a prayer and we just did whatever we want. God, is, God could be no different than a, a wooden image that we carve out and we put on our mantle and we just go by and say, what's up, Jesus? That is not who our God is. Our God is alive. He's a roaring lion, and he's the lamb of Judah, or the lion of Judah, and he's the lamb. He's all those things because he is God that came down, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, lived 33 years only to die, and he lived for one reason, and that was because he's crazy in love with you. And it doesn't matter what you've done in this world, he's crazy in love with you. But I'm going to tell you right now, there will be some people in the next couple minutes, you're 65 years old, you're 15 years old, you're somewhere in between, I don't care. But you're thinking about this and you know in all reality, you've gone to church your whole life or you've been, you haven't been in 10 years, I don't care. But you know you need to give your heart to Jesus right now and this is what's happening. The devil's telling you, no, nah, you don't need to, bro. You're good. Pride sends more people to hell than anything else. I'm not trying to guilt you into heaven or guilt you into hell. I'm asking you to be real and be honest and surrender your hearts and lives to Jesus Christ right now because that's what it's all about. I don't care if you've served at this church for 10 years or you haven't been to church. Everyone, listen, the, 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 the ground is level at the cross. The ground is completely level. So I want to put this picture up. And I want y'all to think about this. I'm just going to read these verses to you. Zach, you don't have to... Um, change it. I just want to read a couple verses to you. Romans 5, 8. I've used it so many times in my life to tell people about Jesus. But I just want you to stare at the picture. One of the two pictures. I'm trying really hard not to cry. And I've, I went to New Springs Friday night. I went to Five Point last night. I've seen this picture every night this week. I've, but I can't see it without remembering what Jesus did for me. And I thought for sure I'd be fine because I thought I had gotten my girly crying out. But people do crazy stuff when they're in love, man. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while I was still jacked up, completely screwed up, a sinner, he did that for me. His ribs shone. He was so beat. Four inch thorns were jammed into his head. His beard was plucked out and it bled from him. He was swollen. They could not even recognize him. The reality of scripture says that people could not even recognize who Jesus was. If they had been their, his best friend, they had to ask, is that really him? He was beaten from kneecap to the top of his head and then his ankle bones had a nine inch spike driven through them which was unnecessary because most people were hung 
to the cross by rope, but they just decided to be even worse to him. But here's what's crazy is without the shedding of blood, there could have been no forgiveness. If they had hung him on the cross like most people had, it wouldn't have fulfilled prophecy that was all throughout Isaiah and all throughout the scripture. That happened for you. I want you to understand something, guys. Jesus didn't die for me and not you. He died for all of us. And the weight of the entire world's sin was on his shoulder the moment that he died. He knew you. He knew you like Adam knew Eve. He knows the hairs on your head. He loves you, and this is what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to just sit down in the first chair. He's asking you to forget about these other chairs, and he's asking you to sit down. He's asking you to come home. He's asking you to just sit down and say, you know what, forget me. Forget me because I've led myself to an absolute mess. I'm a wreck. Forget me for a second. I need Jesus. And you surrender like you've never surrendered before. And you don't care anymore, right? I don't care. When I surrendered to Jesus at 17, I didn't care what people thought. Pride went away because I was all about Jesus. And that's what it's got to be for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if we confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus that Jesus is Lord, excuse me, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that's why we're here today, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute. I just want you to be real and not let pride hold you back. I'm going to ask all of you to do the sinner's prayer with me. I believe mamas need to get saved today. I think daddies need to get saved. I think sons and daughters need to get saved. I think there's a lot of people. I don't know how many people are in here, but it's probably a little bit over 100 people, adults. And just being real, there's a lot of people that need to give their heart to Jesus right now. And so this is what I want you to do. I just want you to bow your heads with me. And I'm asking you to surrender everything all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Y'all pray with me. Just in your hearts. You talk to God and in your own words. Say what I'm saying right now. Something similar. God, I am so messed up. And I can't believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross. To save me. I can't believe that while you were on the cross, I was on your mind. And you took the worst punishment in the history of the world, and yet you thought of me. So God, right now, what I'm asking you to do is really, truly come in my life. I'm so sorry. Lord, I lay at your feet. I want to know you like Adam knew Eve. I want to be intimate with you. I want you to be my God. I want you to come in my life, Holy Spirit, and fill me and change me forever and ever and ever. Jesus, I surrender all to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Will y'all look up at me? Here's, here's what's so cool. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God doesn't remember your sins because that paid the price. They're gone forever and ever and ever. They're gone. So I'm going to ask you to do something difficult. And I know some people won't. Matter of fact, I've had some people say, you know what? I think they really wanted to get saved, but I think you made, it do, made them do it in front of other people. And that's really hard. It is hard. 
it is, it is difficult. It's not that hard, though, right? It's not that hard. What Being a Christian isn't easy. Surrendering, giving up your will for his will, it, it's not easy. And if you can't do this in here, I promise you can't do it out there. And I'm going to tell you what else. I'll, I'm going to do cartwheels in a minute for the people that stand up. And we're going to celebrate more than when our team wins the game on a last-second field goal or touchdown. So you got people in here that want to celebrate with you. So what I'm asking you to do right now is if you prayed that new minute and you believe, even if you said a prayer when you were a kid, but you really believe for the first time, I'm not asking who's rededicating. I'm tired of people rededicating 20 times. I'm asking you to be real right now and say, this is it. I'm getting saved and I mean it. And if no one does it, if pride keeps people down, so be it. But I think we should do it publicly because the first call we have to our life, first call we have to our life is go public. I'm asking you, with everybody looking, who will be bold enough to stand up and say, I, I just got saved. I just got saved. On the count of three, I'm just asking you to stand up and be bold. Who will do it? One, two, three. Someone stand up. Who got saved? Amen. Who else? Who else? Come on, y'all clap. That is awesome. Who else? Who else will stand up and say, that's me right now? Listen. Who else will stand up and say, Mark, I really, truly right now got saved. I mean it. I got saved. All right, guys. I can't see everybody. This is what I want you to do. Stay standing. Jenny's right there. Will you wave, Jenny? Jenny's right there. We're going to take you back. It's going to take two minutes, all right? We got something to fill out, and then we're going to bring you right back here, all right? So y'all go back right now. Everybody go right now that's standing. Go ahead. Go right now. If you're standing up, go ahead right now. Listen, this is for everybody else, all right? Keep playing. So we're going to get Pentecostal now. Hey, I'm pumped that y'all are saved, okay? And I'm with you. I believe you. By the way, if you didn't go back, I don't think that's like magic. Okay, you're not saved. I don't get to decide that. Jesus does, so we're good. And if you really believe in your heart that, that God saved you, go back now. I mean, it's not magic. But here's the thing. What about for everybody else? How about for you guys? How about for you guys that are sitting in the second chair and you know you're sitting in the second chair and, and God's not changing your heart? You feel so calloused. You're not making a difference for the kingdom. Do you know why I think the divorce rate in America is in the church is as high as it is outside of the church? Second chair. So I care more about me. Second chair. There's never been a divorce in the history of a, of a marriage, period, where pride didn't take over in at least one of the people. So I, I'm just asking y'all. Tithes are going to go up. We're going to start giving to Jesus if we get out of the first, if we get out of the second chair. Because it's all God's money. I get to give 10%. It's part, of my, it's part of my opportunity to Jesus. That's part of my worship. How many of y'all would be honest in front of everybody and say, dude, just being straight up, I'm in the first chair, or I'm in the second chair, but I went in the first. How many will be honest enough in front of everybody to stand up and say, thank you? How many will be honest enough to stand up and say, that's me? I need Jesus. I need to be in the first chair. I need to be in the first chair. I'm not asking you to move. I'm just asking you to be real. Thank you for your honesty. Here's what I want you to do. Get an accountability partner. Talk to someone and be real. Listen, plug in here if you're not already here. A person that's in love with Jesus can't wait to worship with their friends. Can't wait. And be reckless and abandoned when you come to your worship. Lift your hands and love Jesus as we sing this song to close out. I just want to tell y'all I'm so grateful y'all came. 
If you have offering, you can drop it in the box as you leave. But I'm so thankful that you came to church today. Happy Easter. And listen, I'm jacked up, and it's not because I'm crazy. It's because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and I am so pumped up, and I love y'all. I hope y'all have an awesome Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Y'all close with us as we worship.